he was at VBS, but this is his first time in a church service. I'd like you to, to make sure to make it Benjamin Alton. Feel welcome. Ben, if you could just give a wave so people know where you are. Make sure, make sure you let him know that he's, he's welcome and encouraged to love to have him back. Okay. Um, it's our second message on dealing with ad, adversity. Last week when we preached, you know, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and we'll start where we started last week. We'll continue on. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1 it says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being in yourselves also in the body. And then also Proverbs 17 and verse 17 says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And we looked at advantages to adversity last week. And you say, advantages? Yes, advantages. Things, things will either make you better or they'll make you bitter. Amen? Okay. And again, the definition of adversity is an event or series of events which oppose success or desire. It's misfortune, misfortune calamity, affliction, distress, a state of unhappiness. And we had the, um, three points Last, not last Wednesday, and it was adversity is inevitable. It's going to come in your life. It happens to the just and the unjust. It comes upon the, the saved and the lost. It works differently in the saved than it does in the lost. And it's, adversity is inevitable because every good work for God will be opposed. There's going to be adversity. And we went through that. We talked about the Apostle Paul's testings and dead verses there. Second point was adversity was invaluable, okay, because you're letting faith have a work in you, okay? Faith worketh patience, patience, let it have its perfect work, that you may be an entire, you know, complete, wanting nothing. And I think about adversity being invaluable right now, um, physical therapy I have a new one that I've only I've had him two, the last two times, and he's taking a different approach. It's very proactive, and he's working my leg very hard, and he's working on the hip flexors to help the knee. Okay, and everything gets tighter as you get older, and he's going to say we have to loosen this up to strengthen you, and you have the right body posture and stuff. And so, you know, guess what? I have, like I said, I got a poster in my office that says. Um, if it isn't hurting, it doesn't work. All right? And so, so many times, and I always think about how they temper steel and how you, it becomes, the more heat applied, the stronger it becomes. And so sometimes adversity in your life, you think it's something, and uh, Christians sometimes say, God is mad at me, or God is upset with me, or why would this happen, or how is this allowed in my life? Why is this allowed in the people I love? And sometimes God using that to strengthen you for something more you're going to face. Sometimes it's there to help you to know that He will get you through. And we're going to be looking at that tonight a little bit more. So it's invaluable. And we gave verses on that. I'm not giving them again tonight. But again, it builds Christian character. Because people can say they'll do something, but you never know what they will do until they are tested. Amen? So adversity many times is God trying to do a work in you to strengthen you. 
And the last point was adversity is not invincible because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. And we looked at some verses on that, and that brings us to tonight. And I want you to know in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. See, adversity, when you come through that, will give you hope. You see that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't keep you from that problem, and we're going to see by some of the Old Testament saints different things that God had done. So I want you to realize that. What sort of things are written aforetime were written for your what? Learning. That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And the first thing I want you to see when adversity comes, in Job chapter 1, if you'll turn there quick, we will we'll not tarry long in a lot of places, but in Job chapter 1, Okay. Job has had so much of his things taken from him. His, his wealth, his children, and all this stuff is taking place. And that the house fell in on his children, right? You know, caravans here, these vans of thieves came in and they stole it his herds, and all this other stuff that took place. And in verse 20, when adversity came into Job's life, look at what he said. Job then arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and what? Job worshipped. Now, I love the book of Job. There's so many lessons you can learn from that dealing with adversity. But how did the whole thing end for Job? He had as many or more children. He had larger herds. God used what he went through to teach Job that God ruleth in the affairs of men. Amen? Okay, so he worshipped. When adversity comes, you know what you need to do? You need to turn to God and worship Him. Amen? Now, for the sake of time, we won't turn there, but in Genesis 22, well, wait a minute, we will just for the beginning. Genesis 22. Abraham's been learning certain lessons. Abraham has been weak a couple times. He was learning he could trust in God. And then in Genesis 22, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I am here. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the mount, into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. His son of promise, showing that God was going to keep his promises for Abraham. And he says, Give me your son. I don't know about you, but that's adversity. You have loved ones who go through things. And the safest place for them is in the hand of God. And so what did Abraham do in Genesis 22? Job worshipped. Abraham obeyed. 
the need to obey that which you know from God supersedes any other thoughts that you can have. When adversity comes, obey that which has been revealed to you by God in His Word. Amen? Our Bible says, and it was said to who? Okay, Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. We want to give God what we want to give Him. We think we can give Him No. Obey Him. When adversity comes, obey that which you know. Again, we won't turn there, but you know the story of Joseph. Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the one chosen to deliver his people. And from Genesis 39 through Genesis 50, we see the story of Joseph. Almost murdered by his brothers, sold into slavery. Joseph stayed faithful. God elevated him in the land of Egypt. And because he remained faithful to his God and to what God had revealed to him, he was able to save his brethren. So when adversity came in Joseph's life, Joseph remained faithful. What's required of the stewards of God? But that a man be found, and I know we apply that to preachers and to pastors and to missionaries and to evangelists. You can apply that to any believer because God's giving you stewardship over something and over someone. Will you remain faithful? Can you remain faithful? That's what you do when adversity comes. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. I said we're not tarrying long tonight. I just want, I want you to know, Terry, Pastor Terry Fenton preached this, basically these points at a pastor's fellowship in 2018 at a time when I needed to hear it. And I've kept notes on that, and as I got looking at things on adversity, I said, I want to finish with his points. See, so I want you also to know with preachers, there's nothing new under the sun. Amen? Joshua chapter 1. And it says in verse 6, this is God speaking to Joshua. Moses, God's servant, is dead. You're taking over. You're going to lead the people. Will you follow me? And he says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. You see, he's telling him to do what? The same thing that Abram had to do. Obey. Observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. See, because what did God want to do? He wanted to prosper Joshua in his leadership so he could bless the children of Israel.
that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That means to think upon. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For when thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have what? Good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua, in a time of adversity, Joshua was a second man. He wasn't the leader. He listened to Moses, the man of God, and did whatever God told him to do through Moses. And he was a protector of Moses. And he was willing to do the dirty work. But now, Moses, my servant, is dead. And he's coming in and being responsible for all the children of Israel. And they're just really going to be start fighting to take over the land promised to them in the Word of God. He tells them, observe to do. And he tells them, if you do that, you'll prosper and have good success. The world's ideal of success is he who dies with the most toys wins. And the truth of the matter is he who dies with the most toys still dies. And it can be like the rich man who built bigger barns who died with his barns full, and he said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. He wasn't ready to meet God. You want success in your life? You want God's hand in your life? You better know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I was kidding with... uh, Michael earlier, and I, and I made him think it was mine. I didn't tell him I'd heard it some other place, okay? But it, the fact of the matter, we were talking about certain things and the cost of this and the cost of that, and you know, and what I'm doing as a pastor, and I says, you know, I don't care because the retirement benefits are out of this world. Okay? And that's what it is. What is your life but a vapor that appears for what? Then vanish away. What comes after that? Either heaven or hell. I kind of think getting in heaven is a success. Right? And Jesus says, I'm the only way to get there. The way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but what? By me. Joshua prospered because he heard and listened to God and his word. That's what you need to do when adversity comes. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. So Job worshipped, Abraham obeyed, Joseph remained faithful, Joshua prospered because he heard and listened to God. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now David's off fighting. He's got his men here with him. And that's how this chapter starts. 
And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. Now, where, where had David been living? <laughs> In there, Okay. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives by an enemy army. You know, and, and all David's men turned around and said, It's okay, David, we're behind you. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him, because he had taken them away, and while he was gone, their women, their children, their herds, everything was taken. And they were holding him accountable. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But look at the way verse 6 ends. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And sometimes when it seems like the brethren are against you and they don't know what's going on, they don't know what's taking place, they're not looking to see the hand of God in this. They're seeing the immediate circumstance. And too many Christians live in the immediate circumstance. It's short vision. It's nearsightedness. David had to look to God. And it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's one of the reasons that the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Amen? Okay. Go to Daniel. You knew I had to go there, right? While you get to Daniel, I want to read you a verse from Ecclesiastes because I want you to think. You know, I say, Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is what? You know, you can learn much of what's being said in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, let me see where I wrote it down here. Chapter 7, and in verse 8, it says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. So, you know, when adversity comes, you have to kind of go through it. You know what camels do when a storm comes? I have a message on the camels are coming. When a storm comes, they don't try to fight against it. They curl up. They have special eyelids. They have special ways. And they bury their head and they cover their legs. And they... They curl up into that and wait for the storm to come over. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Adversity 
has advantages. Because if it'll turn you to the Lord, that's the safest place to be. Okay? I told you, Daniel chapter 1. I, the beginning of the, the book of Daniel, the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. See, he was desecrating Israel's form of worship. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain children of Israel in the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom there was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning of the tongue and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end of that thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he, he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah Shadrach, and unto Mishael Meshach, and unto Azariah Abednego. They're in adversity. They're put in a strange land. They're eating food that was, according to God's Old Testament Levitical law, sin for them if they ate it. And so they had a choice. Starve, right? Or eat it, compromise, and just go along to get along. They're under adversity. Believer... Are you going along to get along in adversity or are you standing for that which you know to be true? In adversity, learn from Daniel. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Because he was supposed to take care of them, and if they didn't eat the food, they were going to what? Starve. So Daniel, because he was... God had brought him in favor there, requested of them. And he beseeched you ten days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse. I don't know about you, but I got beat as a kid because I wouldn't eat my mother's split pea soup. Okay? Ten days, water... And something, I believe, worse than split pea soup. Yum, yum, yum. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Huh? But he purposed in his heart. And what did God do for Daniel? Gave him favor before not only 
one king, two kings, three. Think about it. Because he purposed in his heart. What sort of things are written aforetime are written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope? One more. New Testament. The Apostle Paul. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul's in a Roman prison for his stand and he got to preach to the people in Rome because he was in prison. Timothy is one of his preacher boys. 2 Timothy 4, and he's encouraging him from the beginning of the chapter, and I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, the living and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. That's what Paul had been doing from prison. For in time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap themselves heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure inflictions. Okay, adversity. Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and my the time of my departure is at hand. And he's not getting a bus token. It's not standing and have TSA go through his bags and get on a plane and grumble because he has to wait and do that. He's going to be put to death. And what does he say? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul finished. When adversity comes, don't quit. One last passage of Scripture. Just going to read it and then we're done. Wherefore, seeing we also, this is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. When adversity comes, worship, obey, remain faithful, encourage yourself in the Lord, purpose in your heart, look for that good success that comes from heeding God's Word. Purpose it in your heart and finish your course. Because the retirement benefits are out of this world. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good night and God bless.